Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. My name is Adam Homey. I am your host, and I am honored by your wise decision to tune in and invest in yourself today. As the name says, our listeners are business creators. We have our entrepreneurs, small business owners, and local business owners. We have marketing and business coaches, consultants, and mentors. We have our folks who help others create and grow their businesses, and we have the do-it-yourselfers like to have your own hands on the levers. If you're one or more of the above, and in fact, most of our listeners who tune in every week are all of the above, please take a moment and explore episodes, discover how we help you win at the game of business and marketing, and thrive from the intersection of your brilliance and passion at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. Also, be sure to search for us on iTunes. Every five-star rating is greatly appreciated and helps us serve more business creators just like you. And be sure to subscribe because you will get fresh content served to you every week in addition to immediate access to over 230 topics covering a breadth and depth of items relevant to business creators just like you. So here's a topic that I've wanted to cover for a long time, and this has to do with online courses and digital training, the things that in some places are still called e-learning. I remember when I was uh, about maybe about 10, 12 years ago when I was in the training and development field and e-learning became the hot new thing. Well, it's evolved, and we have uh, now the ability to deliver digital courseware. We have the ability to gamify our courses. There are so many different things we can do in terms of online learning or e-learning or whatever you want to call it, but the challenge we're having is that a lot of it is actually completely failing today, and it's because we're missing the mark, and what we want to do is we want to re-identify the targets so that we can start maximizing the power of our digital training and online courseware, and to help us with that today, we have Isaac Tolpin, and just to let you know, Isaac is one of the founders of Convior. Com, that's spelled C-O-N-V-E-Y-O-U-R.com, which is the number one micro-learning platform for influencers and companies. He's a tech entrepreneur and futurist at heart on a mission, enabling brands to be authentically connect, excuse me, enabling brands to, I'm so excited about this, enabling brands to authentically connect and inform at scale with over $105 million combined revenues from the companies he's helped build. Uh, his success comes from understanding the relationships between human behavior, business, and technology, and this expertise has helped celebrity influencers and companies transform their knowledge into humanized digital training. There's so much more I can say about Isaac, but I'm going to let him tell you in just a moment. Isaac Tolpin, come on in. The weather's fine. Hey, Adam. It's uh, so great to be here, and uh, I'm excited to dive into this topic. It's uh, super important in business today. Oh, uh, thank you, thank you very much for being here. I mean, uh, the honor is all mine, and I really looking for, I'm really looking forward to what our audience can gain from this. And just so you know, and our listeners know this, not only am I the host of the Business Creators Radio Show, but I'm in the front row of the audience with my pad of paper and my two pens, <laughs> looking for the slight edge in my business. I've shared many times that having a podcast or an online radio show is one of the greatest ways to build the connections that move all of us forward, just like a rising tide raises all ships. So what I'd like to do before we dive into what we have to share today, and I know you have a substantial amount of information, is just take us on a little bit of a journey, Isaac, and tell us a little bit about your personal trajectory and 
what has gone and what has transpired to bring you to where you are today at the intersection of your brilliance and passion serving business creators? Yeah, I think a lot of people can relate to this. Uh, I never fit in the job, you know, role very well in my life. Uh, at nine, I was selling boats at craft markets that I made uh, from my dad's shop and uh, making a profit there. And I just really quickly realized that entrepreneurship was the path. And, and uh, you know, I've done various things. Uh, I was in direct sales for a long time and really learned, you know, had a big organization and learned, you know, where human behavior is going and all those. I've been a student of leadership and business for, you know, my entire adult life. And, uh, and then, you know, I left that to to build an agency and then, uh, it was an e-learning agency on the production side, and we we were growing, and we had 43 employees, and we had influencers coming in from all over the country to, you know, shoot the videos and package it and put it together in their brand and so forth. And I learned a lot in that experience, and uh, in, it ended up shutting that down. And, and uh, Convey Your is the solution to really killing boring. I mean, if anybody thinks about, you know, you know, a course that they went through, an online course, a digital training course or something like that, you know, you probably didn't look forward to going back to the actual experience. You might have looked forward to, hey, I want to get this content. I need to learn how to do this thing. But I don't think anybody looks looks forward to the experience. And so that's what we solved. And, and um, it's just been amazing. We launched two years ago, uh, scaling up really well. We have lots of trainers, speakers, influencers to big companies like Capital One and University of Alberta. Well, that's fantastic. And just based on your background dealing with micro-learning and online learning, I'm very excited to gain more from you. So let's start at the bottom and work our way up. Uh, basically, why do you feel that almost all the digital training we have today is completely failing? Well, I mean, just it's, it's, it's going to sound a little bit obvious when we talk about this, but just think about it, you know, what how would you build a product you already know the answer to this you would ask right you would discover what the customer actually wants well in this case if we go if we focus on the customer being the end learner whether they purchased it or not that is the answer and i just think a lot of these platforms are antiquated they're, they're being built for hr they've been built just for the marketer maybe um but they haven't been built for the end learner i think if you start there and you really look at where human behavior is today, you're going to build something completely different than most of the things on the market today. And that's, that's where we started. And you can always later, you know, make sure it works for HR and the marketer and so forth. Right, 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 right. Very true. So, uh, you, know, tell, you know, tell us more about, you know, how we're missing the mark. And let me put some frame around that. I remember back when e-learning became a thing, back around 2003, 2004, give or take, and everybody was talking about e-learning. And uh, there was this cartoon that used to show up in a lot of people's PowerPoint slide decks, and it showed the manager of training with uh, the CFO, and, uh, the C yeah. and I think you already know which one I'm talking about. And the CFO says, you know, I don't, I don't know exactly what one of these e-learning things is, but I heard our competitor has one, so get us two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a huge industry, multi-billion dollar industry around the globe, and uh, tons of people are, you know, in e-learning. But let's think about the use cases of this and what actually happens. I mean, it's like, you know, either someone's in a job and they're told to go through a course, and that's a really challenging situation because if that experience doesn't live up to the what 
those employees experience in their everyday lives with digital from the from their from their phone, their cell phone, then you're giving them something inferior. You're basically screaming irrelevancy, and you're doing something that's the antithesis of the very cultures, organization cultures, and employee engagement you're trying to drive. On the other side of things, if you're a trainer, speaker, uh, coach, somebody like that, consultant, or very small business. Um, you know, you you might sell something. That's one thing, right? And that's that, that's it valid, right? Let's let's get our information out there. Let's sell it. Let's create an online business or build that side of our business. But then at the end of the day, aren't we all going into business? Yeah, we want to make a profit. That's important. There's nothing wrong with that. But at the same time, I really think at the gut of it, at the core of most entrepreneurs, is they want to have an impact. And when they have an impact, they – have this desire within them to have a greater impact. And it's hard to kind of fulfill that growing magnitude of mission for impact. And if you're selling your information in an online course and people aren't actually consuming that information and implementing in their lives or businesses, you really have to ask yourself, Am I actually having the impact I feel I'm called to? Do my sales numbers, the number I'm selling, indicate impact and in a lot of cases they don't people have you know a sub 10 percent completion of courses ivy league schools uh you know are facing 25 percent or less of college students finishing online courses when they pay full price for them uh large MOOCs uh in a lot of cases are, are falling flat because those experiences they're breaking a lot of rules um that you have to follow to align with where human behavior is today let's face it we're in a reality show world we're in a youtube world we're in a, a netflix world where the consumer has control of their media and we are used to switching it off shifting to something else the moment something isn't compelling and if we're not compelling people in aligning with where they're at we are really really antiquated yeah uh you know, I'm I'm 41 years old, so you can figure I came of age in the 1980s. And uh, you know, back then, uh, you had a television show that was on for usually 30 or 60 minutes, and uh, you or you went to a movie theater and you watched a movie that was about an hour and 45 minutes. And there was this real big thing that I remember growing up, and it was well, you know. Uh, you, know, you 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 paid for the movie tickets, so you're going to sit there and watch it. Or, you know, you tuned on, you tuned into the show at the beginning of the hour, so you're going to sit here and watch the whole thing because you can't just be flipping channels all the time. You got to stick to it. And I'm thinking at the time, hey, you know what? I know I paid 12.99 for a movie ticket, but if I don't like this film, I'm not going to let two hours of my life just go by. I'm leaving. I mean, come on. Yeah. And yeah. what's been interesting yeah. is how I've seen the world evolve to that. I mean, I will um, I will tune out of a YouTube video if it's ha if it's having network issues and having a hard time loading. I mean, I, I won't even sit there and wait for that. I mean, think about what we used to tolerate back in the day. Uh, we'd have the uh, would have the TV and would get three stations and it would either be on the rabbit ears or you'd have the antenna on the roof. We had the little rotary thing that you used to control which direction yeah. the antenna was pointing. <laughs> Remember all that? Yeah. And uh, we used to yeah. deal with. Uh, you know, we used to deal with having to adjust the, I can't remember the technical name of it, but the thing that would stop the screen from flipping. And here we are, if uh, a video doesn't load fast enough, we 
discount not only the video, but in many cases the creator of the video, because, hey, we we'll get the pain in the yeah. butt for us to load that darn thing. Well, get this. I mean, I just read this uh, yesterday, which is shipping times. So let's just take shipping times, for example, how that's changed. It's like, you know, we used to be willing to order something and wait two, three weeks for it. Uh, then it came down to, you know, we're willing to order something and wait, you know, a week to 10 days. And now the study's out that, you know, people need to get their thing within 4.5 days. And if you're an Amazon Prime member, you expect it within 3.8 days. Uh, otherwise, yeah. you're kind of frustrated. And so the, so just everything is changing, and it's changing rapidly, and we have to keep up with that. And so, you know, maybe, you know, what would be good is to give some of those, you know, kind of rules that I think are vital. We've seen data yeah. that is very important to follow in, in building that. Yeah, so, if you, yeah. So the first, want to share, please go ahead. Go ahead, please. Yeah, so, 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 um, so the first thing is that, you know, and this is going to sound so obvious, but it's got to be built for mobile. Um, right. It, it's no longer okay to have some software that's built for PC and then made to work for mobile. They're really, in, in a design sense of software, there's an entirely different approach when you build something for mobile first. And if it's mobile first, it's going gonna, it's gonna to work beautifully on the phone. It's, it's going to utilize aspects of the phone. And, and that's super important. So mobile first. Also, if, if we're e using email to notify people of new content and digital training, we've kind of already lost. And, and just think about it this way. We're adding, we're associating our digital training, which in a lot of cases is an optional experience. You know, there's corporate in, in, in business use cases where it's not always optional, but a lot of cases it's optional. It's certainly optional to retain that information and actually implement it. I mean, you could be told right. to do something in an online course and just let it run, right? So yep. so if, you, if it's something optional and you're notifying them through email, as soon as they get behind and another email stacks out, you are adding to a place where they're guilty. And if you associate guilt with your program, they might bail on it. They might just – it just might become too much. It's like, oh, i got to delete all these emails, and it's just too overwhelming to continue with your course. So it wow. is important. It's also not fast enough, right? So you've got to notify people immediately uh, of new content, and it's got to be in a way that is, is, has a positive association. The positive – the most positive association you can do is text messaging. And now I'm not talking about texting somebody out of the blue. These are people that opted in, they, they bought or have been given a course or, or whatever, and, and they want to learn from that author or creator. Imagine that author texting them with their first name in it, hey, here's, um, here's the, the next uh, lesson. It's on this, and enjoy. And it, it's signed by them, and it comes to their phone with a link, and they go in, there's no login, and boom. Uh, video plays and they're engaging with that content and so forth. So, so there's there's a couple. I have some more, but there's a couple really key things that I think just a lot of um, LMS systems, uh, even Thinkific, Teachable, Kajabi kind of systems are 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 missing out on. Well, here's something that immediately came to mind when you spoke about the guilt and the overwhelm, and this is something that we cover inside my book, which is Groundhog Days and Events, uh, not a business strategy is we see folks attempt to sell uh, courses, whether they're uh, DVD sets or 
something that you log into a members area and download or uh, whether it's a, a membership program or a membership site. And they talk about all the features it has, like you're supposed to say, wow, I get all that for just $97 a month? Whoa, I got to sign up for that right now because that is the deal of the century. Uh, actually, what we have found is in many cases that will kill the sale. And here's the reason why. People will look at all those things and they'll say, I ain't got time for that. So they won't even sign up for it. And I've also found through studies of my clients who have membership programs that the number one reason given when people drop out of the program or ask to not be billed for the next month or what have you is they say, I just haven't had, had, haven't had the time to keep up. Yep. Yep. And, and, and are they going to buy more from you if they can't keep up with what they already bought? And that's a big usually challenge. Not. Like if, yeah. Usually not, right? We're trying to build a brand that has customers coming back, that we have long-term relationships with, that, that are become, as the book Tribe says, raving fans. And, and how do you create raving fans if you're giving something to somebody or selling something to someone that they don't actually consume and implement in their lives. They're not going to look back and necessarily blame it on you, but they're going to be like, I didn't actually finish the first thing. Why am I going to buy the next thing? Right. And then there, and then another thing that comes into play and just, just hear this and give me your thoughts on this is let's say that um, Isaac Tolpin has a membership program and I sign up for it and I get behind on consuming the modules and after about the third or fourth month of emails piling up or notifications that new modules have been loaded piling up, I say, you know what, I'm, I'm just, I, I can't. And then I contact you and I bail out of the program. Now, this actually yep. can decrease the chance that I would invest in you again, not because you did anything wrong, but because of my yep. embarrassment for having failed once. You could come out with something that is the perfect match for my ability or bandwidth to consume something that solves the exact problem that I have. Um, it can be the thing that not yep. only I say I want and say I need, but the thing that causes the response for me that moves me into forward action. But I would still hesitate if not stop myself from doing so just because I'm ashamed that I failed you once. Yeah, exactly, exactly right. And there's there's a big problem. We're seeing this not only in the subscription models, but also individual courses for sale, but also in corporate America and small businesses, is that if you put a if you create a library of content somewhere and a learner has to go log in, first of all, the login has too much friction. So we can talk about that in a second. But the yeah. other thing is that it becomes out of sight, out of mind. And what we need to do is simplify. We need to give just enough. It reminds me of the story. My first child, uh, Kelsey, when she was like six years old, she wouldn't eat anything. You know, she was hard to get her to eat. And, and so I, this one day, I got this wisdom to get the biggest plate I possibly could. And then I cut the piece of pizza into the smallest sliver you could imagine, and I put it right in the center of this beautiful, huge white plate. And I put it in front of her uh, with total confidence and expectation that's what she should have. And she goes, Daddy, what's this? This is, this is small. And I go, no, that's a Kelsey-sized serving of pizza. And, and she gobbled it up. 
and then I cut another sliver and I put it on the plate, gobbled it up, and pretty soon she ate two full pieces of pizza. And I think it's a similar story that if you give too much, we're busy today and we don't have attention spans. And so we have to cut that down and give just enough and, and, and keep them going. This brings up another point that's really, really important, which is called learner trust. You have to create learner trust with your learners from the beginning and never break it. And what that is, is that they need to be able to learn something compelling that's relevant to them and get recognized for learning it, watching the video, doing an engagement or something like that. And, um, and complete something within five to seven minutes. And if you don't have those three things happening within five to seven minutes every single time, you're breaking learner trust. If this one time you go to 12 minutes, if this other time you don't recognize them, um, what happens is they may love your content, even love the user experience, but when they are thinking about their life in the moment of doing something optional and they got a, a text notification, there's something new, or unfortunately an email, if that's the case, they're in, and you spent 12 minutes one time, they might go, well, do I have 12 minutes right now? I don't have 12 minutes. Do I have five minutes? Yes. And so that is a powerful thing. As you're thinking about, whether it's in our software or some other software, if you're thinking about putting content together, make sure they can digest it, get recognized for it, and, and there's a signature of completing something within that short period of time. I think that's important, hence the term microlearning. Yeah, um, let's rewind something. I took a note on uh, a phrase you used I thought was very interesting. You said the login causes friction? Login can cause friction. It's normal to log in. When is when are they most excited? Right when they buy something, right? So yeah, so you can right. get them to log in and put their info in, and you need their info. You want their info. That's when you want to get their info. Okay, but right. uh, after that, and they take their card out and they pay for something or whatever, there is no need for them to keep logging into things. One of the things we did is we got rid of that friction completely, and we created unique learner IDs unique learner links. So when somebody um, buys into your subscription uh, or a course or whatever it is, they get a unique learner link texted to them. You can email it too, just because in some use cases that's still important for corporate culture and things like that. Um, and they get that link. They can save that link. Whenever you send them a link to new content, it's actually the same link. And when they hit it, it just puts them right in the portal on their phones or computers or whatever device they have, and it works perfectly. So they never have to log in after they purchase or uh, register. Wow, that's interesting. Now, I can already hear an objection to that, which is, well, what's going to stop them from sharing that link with everybody? And that's a really good point. You have to be secure, and you're, you, you worked hard for your intellectual property. And so, in right. some cases, that's a security issue. So that's super important. We have uh, coded um, to where it detects foreign devices. And so in that case where it detects a foreign device, it'll ask for a PIN code. And so that's the only time there is a, a PIN to log in if there's a concern for security. So it learns, you know, what devices you're using. And if it detects something new, then it's going gonna, it's gonna to put a, a wall up uh, to not let somebody in. This is sort. This is sort of like um, if you log into your bank, your online banking site from a computer you haven't used before. It's going to uh, say, uh, you know, 
click here and check your mobile phone, and then when you get the code, enter it here to verify you are who you say you are. Is that what we're talking about? Yeah, it's very very similar. Yep, exactly. That makes, so, that, makes, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. So you got to – I mean, remember, we're, the, the noisiest places in, in the world is digital. And even though uh, we want to, to cons- make something beautiful on the phone, our mobile devices are the noisiest places in the world. We're checking all kinds of things simultaneously, aren't we? So it's um, it, it, it's important. But it is where people – think about where you – I'm saying you, everybody listening here. Think about where you like to consume your media. I'm not talking about watching a movie on Netflix. Of course you're going to do that on a TV in a lot of cases, but sometimes not. Um but where do you go look at a YouTube video? What, what you know, face a lot of people are looking at videos on Facebook, and most of that traffic is mobile. I mean, I don't think we need to harbor that point too much, but just it, it is a reality that if it's not mobile-driven, uh, we're missing something. And and back to our other point, I, I wanted to make sure I said this because we've already kind of talked about this, is there there is a response, I believe, there is a responsibility now to um, make sure you create something that people experience, come back to, and actually implement. It's no longer, hey, I built it, they bought it, it's up to their self-discipline to consume this. No, 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 not if you want to be a relevant brand going into the future. You need to take responsibility for the experience and attracting them back and making sure they engage and finish that. And I think if we take that responsibility on, we're going to build something not just to sell it, not just be a marketer, but be an organization that truly has an indelible impact on the world. And I think at the end of the day, that's really important to people. Yeah, I I agree with that. And I can tell you that uh, in my experience, the level of the shifting of the weight or, or the responsibility or whatever word you want to use that you're talking about here. I think we're a long way from there, and perhaps you can help us bridge the gap. Let me give you an example of something that in my coaching and consulting has been so much of a sticking point that I actually wrote about it in my book. Uh, When somebody registers for something that's delivered online, uh, now you're talking about giving people an individual link that's cookie to them, that if they go to another device, they have to enter a PIN code to access, so it has that level of control, because you're removing the friction of the login. Well, a lot of systems out there still are not sophisticated enough to scale that hurdle of getting rid of the login. So let's take that one step further, and we found that regardless of what system you use, you could use um, Optimized Member or Wishlist Member or Kajabi or, um, or any other of the systems that are out there, all of which are good for their own reasons depending on the user's truth. Uh, And we found that regardless of whether the person making the purchase is expected to set up their own username and password or it gets emailed to them or what have you, that in about 30% of the cases, the username and password part is where the transaction goes off the rails because either the person doesn't get taken to the link where they're supposed to enter their username and password or they're taken there, but somehow they convince themselves they're getting DVDs in the mail or it's one of those ones where it's generated for them, but the email, for whatever reason, never makes it to their inbox. And we can have that conversation all day long is the reasons why blah, blah, blah. But the bottom line is 30% of the time, they don't get their username and password. So 
what we frequently find organizations doing is they will then send the person uh, a link that says, here, uh, here's how you fix it. And we've coached our people to say, absolutely not, never do that. If you want to have people feel engaged, here's what you got to do. Number one, if the system goes awry, that's not the customer's responsibility to fix. That's your responsibility to fix. So you don't send them a link that says, oh, well, here's where you go to set up your username and password. No, 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 no. You set it up for them. You give it to them. You show them how they can change the password if they want their own password. And you make them confirm that they received it, which means reply to that email. If you don't get the reply, you follow up until you get that 100% contact rate. Uh, we've also coached our folks that even if the process works correctly, even if the person correctly sets up their username and password, you still send them a personal email just to establish the human connection. And part of the reason that we tell people to do that is because when they feel a connection to a human being with your organization, even though it is a digitally delivered product or course, they will feel more personally connected to and invested in it because they've interacted with a human being. I 100% agree with you, Adam. I mean, you just hit on something so important, which is people only buy and care about brands where they feel like they have a one-to-one -one connection with. And if you don't have those personal touches and follow through to the length that you're talking about, you're not going to build the brand to the level you could. Because we, it's the Gary Vaynerchuk stuff, right? It's, it's, it's people need to know you care. They need to feel that personal connection with you. And if they do, you're building raving fans. And I just can't agree more with that. I think that's huge. And the follow through is super, super important. Uh, let me, let me share a, just a couple more. There's a couple more rules here that I think people would be interested in. And, and one of them is that it's, it's no longer enough to put videos somewhere, uh, that just talk at you. Um, because, you know, it's one thing if we're searching on YouTube to find, to find an answer to something, but it's another thing if we have a whole bunch of videos strung together in a website or a system or something like that, and we watch a video, and then we watch the next one, and we watch the next one. What people want to do today is they want to ex they want an experience. And, you know, uh, millennials and younger especially, but it really is uh, it's seeping into everybody. And they want to experience content. They want to engage. They want to be part of something that other people are going through. So that means it's important that when I watch a video, and I alluded to this a little bit earlier with Learner Trust, but I think it's important to talk more about this part of it, which is there's got to be two-way communication. After I learn something, I want to be able to rate myself 1 to 10. We may not say that, but subconsciously there's a draw to this, okay? And Or I might want to have an open-ended question where I can type in an answer. Or I might want to, you know, just check off a checklist that I'm going to go do something so I feel a sense of accountability one-to-one -one with this trainer. Or, you know, I might want to, you know, be, you know, quizzing them on the content in a fun way where I get points. And, and then I can see myself on a leaderboard, which brings up another point, which is you've got to have gamification. There's got to be a reward. People are drawn to rewards differently based on the personality. However, everybody has this kind of competitive spirit about them. And one of the most compelling things you can do is give, give achievement currency for participation. 
and getting right or wrong answers. And in some cases, you can just give everybody the same currency for doing something. So just kind of as they go, everybody gets the same points. But there's other ways where you can make it more dynamic and weighted based on getting right or wrong answers or how well they rated themselves 1 to 10 and things like that. And this might sound complex, but the software should make all of this easy. We've made this incredibly easy where there's nine engagement formats. You take your video and you pick which engagement do I want to go with that. Do I want the video to go first or after the engagement? And then, boom, you stick them together. And it, there's a tiny bit more to it, but it really can be that simple because no longer – and this brings up another point, which is let's talk about video for a second and video production. What Think about anybody listening, what you've gone through to produce good videos, right? It's a little bit of right. work, and it can be daunting. And if you haven't tried it yet, then you might be scared of it, actually. But we're in a world where, you know, straight to the point, uh, videos uh, of you speaking directly. Another benefit of microlearning is that production is easier. You don't have to do these highly edited videos. And I encourage you not to, actually, because – the more you put into your video editing, the less likely you're going to update those videos and keep them relevant. And relevancy trumps polish today. And right. so it's really important that it's so easy to replace a video, to keep it updated, these kinds of things. And then what we did is when we really thought through this, I really had a deep desire to get, to get rid of friction in production. Because so many times, I'm sure you experienced this with your clients, is that so many times that just stalls people out. It's like, man, this is this is too hard, and they just don't finish their project. I mean, can you relate to that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So so what so what what I recommend is um, keeping videos three, four, five minutes, um, straight and to the point. And you can edit the front and back of them. You can do jump cut in between if you need to splice them because you need to cut some pieces out. That's accepted today. Think about how many YouTubers that are cranking with jump cut videos. That's where you just cut the end of one and start the next one. And there's a little jump in when you watch it. That's accepted today where maybe four years ago it wasn't. Um, and, and now you can let the software bring those videos to life because when there's engagement before or after, when they get achievement currency, when they can see immediate results after they answer a poll question and they see anonymously how they answer compared to everybody else, and then they get participation points, they can click the leaderboard on the phone, they see where they're at, you're tapping into all kinds of dynamic motivators all within five minutes of them taking a micro lesson that makes it okay that your video isn't this incredible thing. Now, what I'm not saying is put bad videos out because sure. there is a certain level of quality that needs to be there. Audio needs to be good. Background needs to be solid. Uh, they need to be able to see you clearly. And, you know, the content needs to be good. But really, other than that, when you put it in the right software, um, you don't need much more than that. Yeah, that's very, that's very true. And, you know, a couple observations I have about videos because people uh i've seen them get challenged sometimes just with their technology and you know i think you may have heard of cases where uh something that's supposed to work doesn't for certain people it's like you know you could have 10 clients and you could have you could guide all 10 of them through the same steps nine of them will have perfect success with everything you show them to do and the 10th just can't seem to get it to work for them even though they do everything they're supposed to have you ever seen that happen 
Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, and 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 how do we explain it? There's a thousand theories, and who knows? I, I've had I've had this myself, where uh, and uh, you know where you you know I I guide ten clients to do something. Uh, nine, all ten of them do what they, they're supposed to, but one of them it just never seems to work for them, and it's always wrong, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And now when you come to coaching and consulting, that usually just means you have a bad fit. That's what it usually boils down to, no matter what you do. Fair enough. But when it comes to things like video production. It could be just a matter that there's something wrong with their computer or their sound card or their video capability that's just that particular computer is whacked out. Who knows? Or maybe they're just using the wrong microphone or they don't know how to adjust their microphone settings. That being said, uh, my, my observations are as follows. If your video quality is maybe 80%, as long as your sound is really good, that will usually make up for it, unless it's something egregious like you have talking heads and the lips don't match the words. There's something really irritating about moving lips and sound being out of sync, as long as you don't have yeah. that problem. Yeah. Right. I mean, that, that, yeah. that tends to negate any considerations of less, less than perfect view as long as your audio is spot on. On the other hand, if you have really strong video but your audio is off, that will repel people because the – poor sound will be more irritating than the poor video. That's one of my observations. The other is, and I've seen this sometimes when it comes to product launches, book launches, etc., that there's supposed to be some sort of bonus with some sort of video. And we went through one of this very recently with one of our clients where they uh, actually rushed the launch of their book, you know, in a good way, because they had a speaking opportunity come up, and they wanted to have books printed and available to do a book signing. Very noble goal. Inside the book, it gives you a link to go somewhere to download bonus videos. And uh, they were they were saying, well, you know, I'm not going to be able to get those videos done in time, so that's just, I said, no, 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 no. What you want to do is you want to get those videos done. They don't have to be the permanent videos, but as long as they're clean mm-hmm. and deliver the promise, you can always go back and switch them later because yep. you're going to come out much worse if your videos are non-existent and you made a promise you didn't deliver on it. Then you will come out if you send somebody to watch videos and they're not Hollywood star quality. As long as the videos deliver their promise and the audio and video are good, they'll be fine. When you oh, can yeah. get to a studio and do your high quality, pro- yeah. When you get to a studio and do your high quality production, swap them in. But in the meantime, don't leave a promise yep. hanging short. Yep, yep. And I'll tell you, I, this would be a fun story, I think, for everybody to hear. Is when we launched two years ago, I did an experiment, and I have a good camera, some LED lights, not tons of stuff, but some nice right. stuff. And I decided not to use any of it for, for this course I was going to build. And I gave myself two days around other things I was doing. So I had other responsibilities, obviously. But um, I gave myself two days to shoot 11 videos, and I did it with my iPhone 6 at the time. And, wow. Um, no, no special audio equipment. I had a good background, but no green screen or anything. Just kept it real simple. I made sure it was a good background. I did have some good light lighting. I made sure lighting was good. And I shot these uh, 11, like, three- to four-minute videos. It was called Build More Than a Business. It was about getting business owners to 
you know, think bigger about their life and business and, and so forth. Okay. And it was an 11 day challenge. So I dripped this content out where every day they got a new video with an engagement format, um, right to their phone. They got a text message a day for 11 days. And, and then I made it free. It was a little bit of an experiment and they got points every time they participated and there was a leaderboard. However, I never talked about points in my videos. There was no reward other than being on the leaderboard. Um, to speak of, and and as I went through, and, and I put posted this on my Facebook, and you know, like 25 people, you know, joined it for free. You know, my warm network. And then on the third or fourth day of the challenge, uh, there's something you can do inside our software, which is prep a social post. And I gave, I, I put in a, po- a social post, and right from a software that can share it to Twitter or Facebook, and not leave your course. Actually, it just automatically does it. And and I said in the message, I said, hey, by the way, you know, if you're getting value out of this, you want to share this with others while it's still free, feel free. By the way, I'll give you a thousand extra points to make it fun. And you wouldn't believe I got so many people sharing it. I think there was over 210 people ended up taking that course from that, you know, initial putting on my Facebook. It really kind of blew up a little bit, not in huge numbers, but just for an experiment. It was interesting. And. And these are all business owners, a lot of them, you know, 30, 40, 50 years old and so forth. And and uh, they were sharing it like crazy to social media just to get those extra thousand points. I mean, I'm sure some of them did it because they were enjoying it. But it was really amazing. And, and the leaderboard really became robust and interesting. And so, you know, there is a, an incredible power. The reason I told you the story is there's an incredible power in gamification, giving rewards, immediate rewards, and giving immediate feedback. Um so there's also, I said this because we were talking about production, don't be a perfectionist, like to, to what you were saying, which is, you know, build it, ship it, make sure a few things are there, but it doesn't have to be perfect. And, and it's so easy to swap things out later. And I'm telling you, you don't, nobody complained about those videos. Those videos looked fine from my iPhone. And I think we have to remember what an iPhone or even the good Samsung phones probably can do today is better than, you know, a lot of the cameras people were using eight years ago. And so, you know, it's just, you just have to remember that you can do a lot with what you have and it doesn't have to be a perfect scenario to build something, ship it and do well. Right. Yeah. And you know, that, that comes back, that comes back to another thing is I like to remind folks, and I've been saying this for 15 years now, uh, this is not like you're, you know, ordering 10,000 printed brochures, they're going to sit in a box in the closet until you use them. It's a website. It's a video. It's an app. Uh, all you have to do is go in, edit, and click save in most cases. Uh, it's not like you have 50,000 printed brochures you're now stuck with forever. If it needs to evolve, let it evolve. Uh, I've also heard a theory, and I want to see how this applies to what you're talking about, when it comes to uh, correcting the issues with digital training and online coursework, that if you look, if you're looking to start a membership program, as far as your content, you only need to be one step ahead of your oldest member. I 100% agree with that. Um, you know, I, I usually recommend you know a month uh, if you're giving out, let's say, like content every week. It's good to be a few weeks ahead, but that, I think that's one step. I think we're saying the same thing, and. And um, right. that's exactly right. And we we built it out. You know, we have people that use it for membership uh, subscriptions and things like that. And 
you know, a campaign or a course um, can be as long as somebody wants. And so we have people just adding to it, uh, you know, keeping ahead of their learners. And, you know, that works really well. Um, so, yeah, that's that's um, that's right on. Yeah, uh, which to me, uh, I, I see the opposite thing happen sometimes where uh, you'll have folks go through a uh, protracted development process. So I'm running through a story that a friend of mine who's a web developer told me, and I, uh, and I put, create a fictionalized version of this and put it in my book, where basically what happened is uh, she was approached by uh, some people who, uh, wanted to, who were starting a membership program. And they came to her because uh, they found out she had a web development firm and knew how to do the membership site thing. And they offered her the they offered her partnership and revenue share in their program. Now, Isaac, I think you know what that really means. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm so. talking about, right? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, they yeah. they 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 gave her all the ins and outs of what the program was going to be and their vision for the membership site and. And they said, you know, this is a really, really great program. And she asked them, how many members do you have? And they said, well, um, we don't, we're actually about six months from the pre-launch and eight months from the seed launch, uh, maybe more unless we can get you to build the site for us. And her first question was, well, what's so great about a membership program that has no members? So what I see happen sometimes, what I see happen sometimes, and I'm wondering if this is one of the errors we see with digital learning and e-learning, is that you see developers take time to build out these things that are super sophisticated without actually seeing if anybody would use it. Oh, you're right on. I mean, I you have to – we get so caught up in our own ego and our own um, you know belief about our brilliance and that people need <clears throat> need our content – and that's there's an element of that that's needed, okay? So, but but um, but sometimes that can go awry, and we build something that nobody's willing to pay for, and you really have to be more data driven about that, and to validate your premise that you know, you think the world needs us. Well, you may be right that the world needs it, but it doesn't mean the world's going to pay for it. And so, right. I'm not trying to be discouraging. I'm just, I'm just saying, and what you're saying, which is validate just test it out and, and and you might learn enough data that there's a version of this thing that in some cases might even be easier to uh yeah. to do that people actually want yeah I, like let's say let's say i wanted to build a um a digital course that includes all the validation that you talked about and all of the uh you know the quizzes and the uh the tokens for participation and any other language you want to use that sort of spurs people through it. And let's say it was a 10-part module on how to start, promote, and monetize a podcast. So it walks them through. So, you know, like module one is, you know, identifying your name. Module two is setting up your technology. Module three is uh, building your guest pitch. You get the idea. Um, And I wanted to digitize and gamify that. But first, what I would probably do is I would – promote a course where people meet with me for 10 sessions, would do it on something like Zoom so we could record the videos, and I would put up a simple members area to stash the recordings with any worksheets they download. I would get a bunch of people to watch my videos and fill out my worksheets. 
so I could see in real time how people respond to this and how they benefit from it and what I still need to know. And once I have the final versions of my worksheets and my exercises, then I would feel a lot more confident building out a digital application before selling the digital application because I am able to say that I have tested it in the marketplace and people have used this and responded to it. That would, that's my take. I think you're I think you're exactly right, and there's there's a flip side to it too that um, you know you could be discouraged in entrepreneurship. I think everybody understands this. You've got to you got to be tough, and you're going to get good and bad feedback, and you just can't let the I agree with you, but you can't let the bad feedback derail you when there is something good here, and um, and so there's going to need to be some push from you too. But pushing in a direction that's validated that people want something is absolutely right, and then. Another another thing I alluded to briefly, but I just want to make sure it gets in there, is social learning. Um, there is a, an right. unbelievable, powerful draw to going through something with other people and in being encouraged by seeing other people's responses to things. And so you really open up the world. And a lot of people will use Facebook groups, and I think that's great, uh, to, to add an element of this into their subscription. You get the Facebook group. You get my content, all this. I think that's a really sound uh, path. I think trying to do some group outside of Facebook is difficult because people are just there. Um, however, I think, you know, what you can do uh, in our software in particular is you can, you can let people know they're going through something with others in subtle ways that really motivates people. Like when they answer a poll question and immediately on their phone, they see how they answered as percentages compared to everybody else. They get poll results immediately and immediate feedback is key. Or, you know, you could have it where they answer an open-ended question, and in the video you let them know, hey, we're all going to share each other's answers here. Um, and so, you know, after this video, write your answer below on this on this thing. And and they type in their answer from their phone or computer or whatever, and then immediately they see a string of how they answered with their name next to it compared to everybody else. And this, this creates um, a very motivational kind of thing that, I, I got to get back to this next lesson that was just texted me because not only do I want to learn from it, there's a learner trust, but I'm going to move up on the leaderboard and I kind of care about how I'm doing because there's other people going through this with me. And there's a real powerful draw. When you can hit all these motivational drivers, you start to get something. I'm going to give you one use case story that's super quick, which is we had a company um, – have 38 managers go through an optional 30 lesson course. So this is in a, in, a, in a business environment, 30 lessons, and it was dripped out over 30 days. So every day they got a text message with a unique learner link and a, and a new thing, and it was gamified with the leaderboard. Um, what was remarkable about this is 100% of those middle managers completed the 30 days. That same right. course was done in two other companies, and it was 76% and 77% completion of the entire groups through that when it was made optional. And so when you hit all of those drivers, you really are now building something that aligns with the power and relevancy of your, the work you do live. And and that's really what we want as a brand. We want to, And that's part of the passion behind creating this for my business partner, I, Stephen, and I, which is that we want to create something that makes it easier and, and creates a better experience that aligns with the, the, the brands people spent so hard building 
of their live work. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think I think you really you know, hit on a couple a couple things there in terms of how we create the engagement and how we get people to participate in all this uh digital online stuff that we're we're building. So one thing I want to be clear on here is, you know, we're talking about uh, digital training, gamification, um, the use of tokens and coupons to react and convey that people have done certain tasks. But we still see a lot of courses where somebody, it's just a basic thing. They sign up for something, they set up their access to it so they can log in, uh, you know, regardless of the friction issue, and they consume some information that's inside a program. Now, what I like about how we can evolve this is we can, I agree, move beyond email, because you made the point that if everything's done by email, this could be sort of a fail, especially when we're looking to be more digital. So we can integrate things like your Facebook bots, for instance, like we could use ManyChat or one of its competitors, and we can also use texting, and we can synchronize that with a drip system. So that let's say it's a four-module four course, and they get a new module every week. Well, we can set it up so when they pay for it, they're going to get uh, a bot message every week. They're going to get a text message every week and have that synchronized to go out right after the new module goes live or drips out. Yeah, no, I love to me, that. To me, yeah, the to, me, cool. to me, that seems yeah. Yeah, because I'm looking for right now the simple path because I don't want people to get intimidated uh, by how difficult it is to begin implementing some of this stuff right away and even bring their existing membership site more up to standard with what's going on today. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you, and that's that's one of the things we did too is just make make it so you can integrate with convey your with anything. So if you already built something, there's, there's probably not a need to rebuild it necessarily. But to, to like what you're saying, let's let's use a bot to notify. Let's integrate convey your to bring what you've already built to life right to their mobile device or leverage of the text messaging or whatever. And so we do that for companies. A lot of companies have already invested in an LMS system or training system and convey your is stitched in to bring it to life. And so Okay. Yeah, it's it's important to be flexible. I, I agree. Right. So here's here's what I want to do here. I mean, the couple minutes we have left here is tell us a little bit about Conveyor. Uh, I want to make sure that you have a moment to share how this all works and let people know about the, the demos and the live tours that are available for them right away. So tell us about this and how your micro-learning system helps people adapt to the new reality. Yeah, so and I've shared quite a bit, so I'll just keep it simple. But um, you can go to conveyor.com. There's a free demo on the front of our website. Put your name and cell phone number, and it'll text you uh, a learner link right into a demo right on your phone. So it's that simple to check it out. Uh, like most software, it's free for a couple weeks to play with. And then it's, uh, it's for the cons consultant, trainer, coach, speaker, small business, it's very inexpensive. And if it's enterprise, then it's talk to us and costs more, but still below what most thing, most companies are charging. And, um, you know, it's micro-learning. It's the ability to build standalone courses, subscri subscription content, many courses uh, with paywall, uh, or it's the ability to do onboard your employees more efficiently and effectively, uh, train your employees, uh, communicate internally in a company via text message. Um, you know, it's not the replacement of Slack or something like that, but there's a power in a right. personal text message coming through and doing that more efficiently. So it's as simple as that. Right, right, right. So 
Uh, so what I wanted to gather here, and as you mentioned very early in our conversation, that we want to make sure that everything is adaptable to mobile. And what we mean by mobile is more than just, you know, the, the, the screen shrinks and expands depending on whether you're on a mobile device or you're on a uh, desktop or a laptop, but the idea that we're using the capabilities of the mobile device. So we have the properly streaming videos. We have the ability to integrate with text messaging and bot messaging that can, be, that can reach the phone. Uh, something where uh, it's actually very bite-sized, so you have short engagements, and you can, you know, have very, very brief elements, because, you know, the thing with mobile phones is, and this is something that we teach through our, you know, our copywriting modules and such, is uh, this, these are the days when less is more, because when you design a website or you design copy for a website, you have to start from the mobile view and work up to the desktop. It's not the other way around. A lot of times, web development firms and courses on this teach you to start with your desktop design and then modify it for mobile. I counsel people to design for mobile and then work the, in the other direction. So when they see their, you know, exactly. they see their websites on their desktop and they're saying, well, what happened to the opt-in box in the top fold? And why is all, and why is the entire top fold dominated by this big picture with a button on it and all the content is below the fold? Well, that's because in this day and age, we start with the mobile and we design upward instead of starting at the top and designing down to the mobile. Actually, I would flip that pyramid up at the mobile on top. Yeah, I, I yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. It's like 60 right. to 80% of traffic. Yep. And, and, what, and what also needs to be remembered, too, is that people are looking at, and I think it's a great place to, to wrap up here. I want to, I want to leave people with this. And I want to get your thoughts on it, Isaac. People who look at websites and applications through their desktop and their laptop are so conditioned at this point to consuming this stuff through a smartphone that they're actually going to look through the smartphone prism when they're looking at their screen, which is why you see all these websites. They have the giant hero image with one button. That's the entire top fold. And then the rest of the content of the page is beneath that where you actually have to scroll down to get it, which is the opposite of the teaching up until a few years ago, which is Get all your important stuff in the top fold. Now it's actually the opposite. It's get your number one call to action in the top fold and everything else is underneath. So what we actually coach some mm. of our clients to do is to start with a hero image with a button on it that skips them down because that's how we create the engagement yeah. on the web page. Uh, that's, one way, that's one very simple way you can do it. But I just want to get your thoughts on uh, is that how we should be thinking, which is you actually – designed from the mobile in mind, then you make the mobile compatible with everything else. Yeah, I think, I think you're right on. I mean, I think you, you on the marketing side, you're probably even stronger uh, than I am. Um, and so I think you're giving some really sound wisdom there. And, um, you know, and I think we want to not deviate too much from what people are used to too, like collecting an email at first into marketing uh, is probably the first step. And then you can later in the system, like if you use conveyor for a lead magnet or something like that, you could get them in, get their cell phone later. Um, you know, so there's aspects to do that. But I think you're right on. Okay, very good. So, so Isaac Tolpin um, of conveyor.com, I want to thank you so much for being here today. It's been an honor and an education. Oh, it's really good. It's, uh, it's been an education for me too, and I sense just tons of alignment. So it's a pleasure to uh, discuss this with you. You bet. You bet. For everybody listening, this is Adam Homie, host of the Business Creators Radio Show. Please check out our previous and our upcoming episodes 
at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com and on iTunes, where we help you win at the game of business and marketing. Until next time, have a great day. Take care.